Welcome to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Rapici and Barry Falk. Hi, Barry. Hello. How you doing? I am doing wonderful this morning. How are you, Dr. Rapici? I am hesitatingly well, thank you. I'm <laughs> We're a, a little, little tremulous. We're a little trembling. We're we're tremulous. We're going to use the word trembling. I think Heidegger used trembling that word yes. in German. Yes. Uh, uh, I think Heidegger often uses the word trembling, the German equivalent for that. Uh, so we're because we're uh, we're about to do an audacious thing today. We we're are about we, to do something that no sane people should do. No, we, we are assigned sta- ourselves, and um, we assigned ourselves the question concerning technology. That's by right. Martin Heidegger, the German philosopher Martin Heidegger. And we're assuming that if you're listening to this podcast, you have some sort of encounter or some sort of awareness of Heidegger and his essay. And what we're going to do in all our splendid foolishness is we're going to try to follow the North Star and argue and explain to ourselves and to everyone else who might listen uh, why it's important to read this essay at the particular time at this particular moment. Yeah, I want um, to add to that, though, that I think that one of the things that makes uh, any discussion of technology um, potentially tricky is the lens that you bring to it. And so I want to clarify that our discussion of Heidegger and this essay is really sort of an, a, a discussion intended to orient listeners into the way that we're you know probably going to bring him up in in the future when we reference him um and also uh as a means of shining some light into how we um you know have have, have talked about Stiegler and we'll continue to talk about Stiegler and um, others as we as as we move forward into the discussions of uh critical media so uh, I think it's important to note that this is not too much of a philosophical discussion would you agree with that how could we do uh, too much of a philosophical? I mean, I think that might be beyond our skill set. I, I think, I, no, I, I guess, I no guess no I want to come straight to us with no disrespect to us. I don't mean that as a slam, but no. a little bit beyond our skill set. So that isn't our purpose. So can I follow up on that? Yeah, I mean, by all means, uh, by all means. Without getting, uh, obviously, um, you as a listener, because of the end, uh, you're enabled by the wonderful technology of the podcast to listen to any episode at any time and to stop listening to any episode at any time. You have a one of choices. Well, but I'm just saying you, you dear listener have all the power and all the glory, but it might be worth mentioning. And this is in keeping with what Michael just said. Um, It probably is worth just noting quickly and then moving on. our own trajectory on this question of technology. Obviously, we're concerned with critical media studies, as we've mentioned before, um, and we have some episodes to prove it. Um, Our introduction to thinking about media was through the work of Bernard, uh, the French, contemporary French philosopher, who just passed a year or two ago, Bernard Stiegler. Uh, and then we kind of read back from Stiegler's more contemporary writing. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the date, to 2014 for the Automatic Society, something like that. Um, and what, we, what Michael and I did basically did is sort of go back and read some of Stiegler. Stiegler. That's the most is important thing I could do this morning. I could mispronounce names, Billy Billy. Um, we read some of Stiegler's uh, influences some of his references, and that uh, sort of really solidified. That got us, I think. I think Michael, is this right? Um, Stiegler generated a kind of reading list for us, and then when we were doing, as we went back and forth reading Stiegler, but also reading some of these older writings, that's really that was the germ of the podcast because we said well, we have something here, and we have content here we can discuss that we want to clarify and that hopefully uh, will clarify the thinking of other interested people, other people interested in this topic. So Heidegger, okay, so that seems to be, that's the backdrop. And then just the final point to make is um, one of the first things we did after we read Stiegler is go to his philosophical master. He's uh, who is Martin Heidegger. Now, 
the Stiegler encounter with Heidegger is not as pronounced in the book we read on media, mm-hmm. but his first major project, uh, a three volume project, thinking about the origin of humanity, the human, the origin of human society through tools and technology. That's, that is a commentary slash revision of Heidegger. So we were naturally sort of pointed to Heidegger. And since this essay is on the question concerning technology, we are naturally attracted to it. So in our own thinking about critical media studies, we, you know, early on, I would say, this is kind of an early, early uh, signpost. And uh, it's important to us. And we're going to argue why it might be important, why we think it should be important for anybody who embarks on the path of trying to better understand critical media studies and the situation that we find ourselves now in the matrix, you know. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So I think the plan uh, that we're going to follow today is, is, is absolutely not to try and take on the entirety of this essay. Um, that's a much bigger project than, than, than we have in mind. So uh, the plan is really just to uh, first contextualize um, his project, where, you know, when he's writing and, and what he's thinking about. Um, and then really we're going to take on two things. Um, uh, the first being his distinction between older technologies and modern technologies and the significance of those differences. Uh, and, and then once we've taken a crack at that, um, the conclusion uh, here is worth some time because this is where we get real insight into what ultimately Heidegger's relationship to technology is and what he feels we should be doing in relation to these technologies as they existed for him after the war. And then really uh, one of the things that makes this essay so valuable is the fact that uh, you know, I, it ages very well. His concerns and his, his urging still resonate today. So we're gonna take a look at that. But uh, to start out, let's, um, let's contextualize it. So this is post-World War II. Post-World War II, he seems to have gone, I don't know the exact history, but we're not exact people. We're just, no, no. We're, <laughs> bra- bra- we, but, we paint broad strokes sometimes. <laughs> we're painting, a, so painting, that's a wonderful metaphor. Painting about broad strokes, I know this about the essay, that he, at the, at the end of the war, in the post-war, immediate post-war, World War II period, Heidegger did a series of lectures on technology. Um, it seems midway through thinking on his considerations, his writings on this topic, he came across an idea that I, we're probably going to reference today, uh, the notion of inframing. And then he went, I guess, once he, at that mid, that was the midpoint. And then eventually he uh, lectured, he presented this lecture um, and wrote up the lecture uh, that we're talking about today, the essay, the question concerning technology. So it's in the period 1940, roughly from 1946, 47, extending to what, 52, 53, something I think are in the early 50s. So why is that relevant? Why is that worth mentioning? Because um, although, as Michael really eloquently said, um, there is a contemporary feel to the essay, I can't remember your lovely phrase, but you were talking about uh, the ways in which this essay still feels timely and still has resonances to contemporary readers. But um, like like the best writing, it not only speaks to us, but um, it always has um, uh, a telling context or a telling significance in its own particular moment. So what is the moment? The moment is the post-World War II moment. The moment is obviously the moment of the atom bomb. And two things that the a- atom bomb sort of crystallize and reveal, to use the word that Heidegger is uh, um, going to use and is fond of using throughout his work, especially in this essay, um, technology, the invention of the atom bomb uh, was a great revealing, uh, a revealing of truth. What are the two truths that I think Heidegger takes on uh, in this essay that he feels were revealed by the atom bomb? The first truth was the possible end of humanity. So the end of human civilization, and by the end of humanity, uh, I mean the, I, I particularly mean the end of human civilization. So this idea that 
humans have a history that can be maintained. So that's, that's different from individual death, right? That's different from, that's different from, I mean, guns kill people and bring individual histories to a close. But the atom bomb, by erasing hum, human beings on a mass scale, by, by being the most efficient way to clear out the population of the earth, uh, one effect of that is that it points to the mortality of human civilization writ large. But there was another thing. There's another thing that um, that I think another revealing um, by the atom bomb made clear. Another revealing, another clearing of the truth that is established by the atom bomb and the dropping of the atom bomb that Heidegger is responding to, and that has to do with the possible has to do with contamination. The fact that the massive radiation fallout, that atom bombs have radioactive fallout. And that points to uh, not just the destruction of humanity and human civilization, but to a terminus point, terminal point for nature, that the, the wounds to the environment caused by the atom bomb uh, point to not just a terminus for humanity, but a terminus for the world, for the world system, for environmental systems. So there's the end of humanity, as in human civilization, but also the end of nature um, um, uh, in the terms of an, an environment, a world that the atom bomb reveals, that is revealed by the new technology, modern technology of the H-bomb, of the, of the atom bomb, hydrogen bomb and uh, nuclear bomb. Um, Michael, you, maybe this is a way, is that, yeah, a segue, I, is that, is that good enough context? Or I, I think it is. And I, I wanna say that this is, yeah. um, you've you painted a, or Heidegger is concerned with obviously uh, some very heavy uh, and grim scenarios. And I think that this is part of the reason why this essay is so incredibly important to look at, because at this point uh, in the contextualizing of this, it would be very easy to say, obviously, he must be anti-technology. And I want to start us, I think we should start with this distinction between old technology and modern technology. But I think it's important to suspend the leap to saying that, well, modern technology, because of its incredible efficiency at both ending civil, human civilization and decimating nature, must therefore be bad. Um, right. I, I think that's the, the temptation. Certainly, the first several times I read Heidegger, I read him in a way that put him in that spot where this is the man who is uh, afraid of technology and terrified of technology. And I don't, I don't think that's a fair... Um, I don't, I don't think that's a, f- a fair place to, to, to have him. Um, but let's start with his distinction between old technology and modern technology, because he makes a clear distinction uh, between these two. And so um, I'll let you start, Barry. How, how, how do you understand his distinction between old and modern tech, or maybe differently said, what is old tech? And then what how does that evolve into modern technology? Uh, I can I can do a quick sketch of that, but I wonder if we should just read the, the opening passage and then we'll both gloss it. You know, that opening passage that we marked up. That's fine. That's fine. You want to do that? Yeah, or I, I could take a short pass of it, but you're all, I'm already sick of hearing well, myself. So, so let's, mm-hmm. I, I think the problem, the, the, the thing that I am concerned about is that Heidegger yeah. is difficult enough when you read it to yourself. Having, oh, some, okay. having somebody else read it to you is, is potentially uh, a nightmare. So let, let's say, <laughs> l- okay, let, let's say this. this. Yeah. How about this? I'm going to read the part that I think is very, oh, Michael and I talked about a passage. Yeah, I think we're, de- I, I think we have a different translation, which is a little bit, uh, we're working with a different translation, which is another sign that we're not fully professionalized yet. But, um, and I understand Michael's concern about reading techno- um, Heidegger and then, then as if that explains a damn thing, right? So uh, I'll just do, um, but I, I'm gonna nevertheless do that, but with it, I'm gonna nevertheless read a very short passage, but I will also try let's to- Let's just take it, let's take it in small steps. So yeah, small steps and try, but before I read the small passage from the very beginning that we, the essay that we talked about, 
Uh, I'll try and do a sort of quick guiding answer to answer uh, a, a quick stab at answering the question you asked, Michael, which is what's the distinction between old and modern technology? So even though, as we were talking about, this is written at a particular moment when the capabilities of modern technology to decimate civilization and to decimate nature is very apparent. One would think that Martin Heidegger as a philosopher is gonna, the question concerning technology in the essay title, one would think that Heidegger, one's first off might be that Heidegger is saying, oh my God, the question concerning technology is how the hell do we get rid of it? Right. Uh, given, given this context, given the moment in which I'm writing. But what interests both Michael and I in this essay uh, is that we're, is that he, he doesn't go there. He doesn't go there. He goes very subtly to a different, uh, we're sensitive to his nuanced way of approaching the question concerning technology. So at the beginning of the essay, getting it matter of hand, getting to the matter of hand, at the beginning of the essay, when he addresses the question concerning technology, he makes a distinction. Heidegger makes a distinction that, that I think Michael and I both approve of between older technology and uh, more modern technologies. And um, very quickly, there's a common strand, there's a common link between old and modern technology in that both old and modern technologies can be understood, and in fact are commonly understood, as means to an end. But something is different in modern technology. Modern technology involves the question of human activity. And human activity, that's the phrase, the translated phrase I have in my essay. So all technology, modern, and ancient is always about using tools to achieve a certain goal, hopefully quicker than the unaided human body can achieve these goals. In that sense, modern technology is no different. The reason you develop an atom bomb is because you wanna blow the fuck out of your military enemies. And that hasn't changed, that never changed. So in one sense, there's a common line uh, that unifies all human uses of technology. But what Heidegger is gonna to try to extrapolate and elaborate on in this particular essay is this, that there is something different happening with technology. It's always been there, it's always been there. But now with modern technology, modern technology reveals a truth like any human activity. Now, here we get into- well, Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Let's, yeah. let's, let's slow down just a second, okay? Sure. So I think that's a great introduction and I'm going to read um, just okay, two, qu two, 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 two okay. quick lines from Heidegger. Um, well, it's more than two, but um, according to ancient doctrine, the essence of a thing is considered to be what it is. We ask the question concerning technology when we ask what it is. So he's saying, what is technology? Everyone knows the two statements that answer our question. And this is what you were just saying. So Heidegger says, one says technology is a means to an end. The other says technology is a human activity. The two definitions of technology belong together. So for Heidegger, both old and modern technology are both first, a means to an end, and second, a human activity. And this is one of the very, very few places where Mr. Martin Heidegger is actually lucid, right? Yes, we want something done, so we invoke technological means. Then we have to use that technology or those technological ends to make it happen, right? So both modern technology and older technologies are means to an ends that are simultaneously human activities, okay? So that has to be the starting point for both of them. The distinction, he says, and this is where he gets a little bit fuzzier, but I think it's still there. He says, uh, the instrumental definition of technology is indeed so uncannily correct that it even holds for modern technology, right? So it is, it is a means to an end. 
of which in other respects we maintain with some justification that it is in contrast to the older handicraft technology, something completely different and therefore new. So he says that despite the fact that modern technologies and older technologies are both a means to an end and human activities, there is something different between There's the two of them. There's something new going on. And if uh, you, I, I go down a little bit further in this section, he says, even the jet aircraft and the high frequency apparatus are means to an end. A radar station is of course less simple than a weather vane to be sure the construction of a high frequency apparatus requires the interlocking of various processes of technical industrial production. And certainly a sawmill in a secluded valley of the Black Forest is a primitive means compared with the hydroelectric plant of the Rhine River. So, uh, about, excuse me, a little bit more, but this much remains correct. Modern technology too is a means to an end. This is why the instrumental conception of technology conditions every attempt to bring man into the right relation to technology. Everything depends on our manipulating technology in the proper manner as a means. We will say, as we say, get technology spiritually at hand. We will master it. The will to mastery becomes all the more urgent, the more technology threatens to slip from human control. So when I see that, what I'm seeing is a couple of things. One, modern technologies are much more inherently complex right? To use a term that I think comes from Stiegler, they are reticulated. They are, I'll use, you know, a little um, Latour. They are assemblages here, right? They are, they are networked. Okay. And that connectedness. Let me stop you just to add a sentence. Yes. Is it the, the complexity? I, I want him to gloss the word you use, complexity. Uh, and since you already mentioned Stiegler's term of reticulation, what is the complexity? I think the complexity, and this is the distinguishing factor of modern technology, uh, distinguishing element. The complexity resides in the fact of they're kind of built to be, these new modern systems are built with a will to interlock with other systems. That seems to be new, this sort of greater well, systematicity. So let's talk right? about, let's talk, right? yes, but let's, let's, let's slow even further, lest we grind to a halt perhaps, but let's, let's still slow. Let's do it. One of the things that you just mentioned is, is very significant here. And we talk about the, the, um, the impact that technologies have on us, okay? And Heidegger is well aware of this. And this plays with, older technologies as well, right? If you put a hammer in someone's hand, that person is going to want to swing the hammer. The hammer invites you to swing it, to hit something with a hammer, right? Do you know that, have you, do you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? I don't, <laughs> but I don't watch much television. Oh, well, you, of course not, Michael. And this, but... this is, this is where our laser focus dives. But, <laughs> no, but... no, no, it's exact. There is a, this great moment when Larry, uh, Larry David is, is of course the world's worst dinner guest. Right. But there is, a, there is a, at one time, and he's especially bad when he goes over uh, to his agent's uh, house for dinner and he in, uh, meets his antagonist, Susie. Actually, he's not at dinner uh, with Susie. Okay, I'm getting into the weeds, but here's the relevant part of the story. Relevant part of the story is there's this great moment where he sees, he, he's at the dinner table and he sees there's a huge knife. And he says, as soon as I see this knife, I don't know about it, and he announces to the dinner table. Um, don't you wanna just sort of, there should be a stabbing range because whenever, <laughs> whenever I see this knife at a table, don't you just wanna pick it up and stab at it? Okay, so- They haven't been served. My, <laughs> I mean, isn't that exactly what you're saying? And there's it is, something about well, the presentation of the tool. It is. That and, and automatically wants you to use, you want to use it. You want to have a stabbing range. If there's it, a knife there. It does. It, so, um, yes, <laughs> that, was, that was a very good one. Um, the, the point I think that Heidegger is making and Larry David is making is that these technologies orient us in a certain way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay? And right. I think that, you know, you had mentioned earlier uh, th this notion of inframing, which we're going to have to get to, I, th I think, immediately after this to make sense of the difference, because the more complex and sort of uh, interwoven these technologies get, the more orienting is going on and the more conditioning is therefore happening. 
So the difference between older technology and modern technology, as I understand Heidegger, really has to do with the complexity, which is directly related to that technology's influence on us. And the more complex and the more interconnected these technologies become, the more we are caught up in them and the more power they have over us. So he finishes this by saying, you know, this section that I, I'd read, he says, we will, as we say, get technology spiritually in hand. We will master it. The will to mastery becomes the more urgent, the more technology threatens slip from human control. The mastery of a hammer is not terribly difficult. The mastery of stabbing, I, I, I don't have any firsthand experience with this, but I would argue that it's probably not a terribly difficult thing to figure out, right? But the more complicated, the more enmeshed we get, the more desire we have. These technologies capitalize on the human impulse to dominate. And right. as such, right. they, it, it's sort of like the, the spider's web. They, they, they wrap around us and we become stuck. So let's, that, that's my take on this. Do you have- I want to, I, I love your take on this. And I think we, we've exhausted the topic. No, we haven't exhausted no, no. it, but we've covered it. But I just want to add one more thing based in the next paragraph. And I think we're, we're ready to move on after I just want to, I want to add one little postscript to- Sure, comment. sure, sure, sure. Um, or an additional comment, because it, this is in the following paragraph. And by the way, I, I complained about us, or I was self-deprecating earlier about us. I noticed when you were reading, we are using the same translation. We are totally together. It's totally together. We got it. We got it. I, so, I, I'm, I'm shocked that you would doubt it, quite <laughs> frankly. Well, I did, and I was apologizing for my self-deprecation. Okay. Um, something to add. So, this is where Heidegger gets, uh, not surprisingly, pretty subtle uh, and pretty maybe a little bit gnarly. But uh, what Michael said is true, that there are distinguishing characteristics of the modern technology, the systematicity, the embeddedness or the interconnectedness of this technology, what Michael was saying. That's one of the things that differentiates modern technology and poses certain questions and answers. But the other thing I would add to that is just, just, an, just a further elaboration of it. In the next paragraph, he says this. He gives us another um, distinction. He adds another distinction to our understanding of modern technology. Modern te technology not only is, and this, this anticipates the contradiction at the end of the essay where he talks about technology posing dangers, but also creating possibilities that are not necessarily horrible life-ending possibilities because one of the characteristics of modern technology is that it uncovers things, it reveals things. Now he's gonna explain what this means and we're gonna talk about this directly, but I just want to note the presence of this argument already at the beginning of the essay. Uh, Yet we said, did we not, that the instrumental definition of technology is correct, that the, the definition that technology is a means to an end. To be sure, Heidegger says, yes, I'm conceding that technology is, even modern technology, is still a means to an end. But here's something to be different. Here's something different. Then he tries to articulate another difference in modern technology. The correct always fixes upon something pertinent in whatever is under consideration. However, in order to be correct, to correctly describe modern technology, this fixing by no means needs to uncover the thing in question at its essence. Only at the point where such an uncovering happens does the true come to pass. Now, I'm, I'm not gonna read the rest of the passage, but where, where he goes from this is this idea that there is something about modern technology that makes a truth about humanity and human activity more clear, clearer to humans. I'll give it a brief example, the example I already gave. Also the example that Michael gave. Modern, so you're using a hammer. Let, we're gonna pick on Martin Heidegger's favorite tool from his earlier work, Being in Time. 
and make that the example of older technology. Older technologies, as Michael said, are not necessarily embedded in, you know, the hammer doesn't necessarily, uh, using the hammer uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna have to use a whole system of other tools and gain a system of other instrumental competences. So there's that, right. that's what Michael was mentioning. Now, to be computer literate, and just to use a very contemporary example, to be computer literate, you have to have all these other literacies. And there are all these, there's a whole world that you have to, you basically assimilate or enter into when, when we're talking about literacy, digital cultural literacy. Okay, so the older technology, that wasn't in play. Another thing that's a, that, that Heidegger feels about modern technologies, that the definition the older definition of technology, what's it for? Well, it's just a means to an end. What it doesn't do, I, I, and I'll use my second example, i use my earlier example to clarify this other aspect of the world uncovering um, potential technology. Uh, I'll use my vulgar example about the atom bomb. So the atom bomb in one sense is as old as the hills. It's an efficient way to destroy your enemies. Nothing could be older, nothing could be more venerable nothing could be more human, right? You know, so there's that one thing. It is, you know, it's a means to an end. Why do you drop the bomb? I mean, and just everywhere you pose the question of means and ends to the atom bomb incident, you see how means ends logic determines it. So why did the president, why did President Harry Truman decide to drop the bomb? Got to end the war, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, there are these very simple basic calculuses that, you know, they're sort of embedded in the technology. Well, I know it's going to kill everybody, but it's going to, it's a means to an end of ending the war. It's the greater good, right? Okay. But here's the other thing that I think Heidegger, this is the context of the moment, but it's still a relevant question that it's a question that Heidegger was grappling with, but it's a question. This is one of the ways in which the essay is relevant to us because it's a question that we still grapple with. Because technology, our technology, because it is more complex and systematic, as Michael says, it threatens to slip from human control, quoting uh -huh. Heidegger. So, so the atom bomb. The other thing about the atom bomb that Heidegger, I think, is getting at and assumes is that it reveals something. That it isn't just a means. Yes, it's a means to an end. We can all talk about the geopolitical means that, it, that uh, ends that the atom bomb served. But the deeper thing with technology, the deeper aspect of technology, of modern technology, that wouldn't be true of using the hammer and the anvil, the deeper significance or meaning of modern technology is that it reveals something to us, something about technology and about us, something about techne, the process of making, and something about human activity. So what the atom bomb revealed was the possibility that we have to end the world, to end our world and to end nature. That's a powerful revealing. That's a powerful revealing. Mm -hmm. So that's it. That's okay. it. I, I didn't mean to go so long on that, but I thought that was important to elaborate that, that modern technologies reveal something to us, reveal something about the nature of human activity and technology to us. Well, let's talk um, for a second about his fear or hesitation around modern technologies for a moment. Um, so, you know, there, there's, a, this, this is one of the sort of central highlights about Heidegger, right? Like if you pull up YouTube or you, you know, tell me about Heidegger, you're going to start to hear about in framing and bestand and, um, you know, how that works and, and, and what that is exactly. And so um, this is something that older technologies do not do. do, not do. I think they do not do this because they are analog in nature, right? It mm -hmm. is a single, isolated, unconnected technology. You have a hammer, you have a saw, you have a chair, you have wh right, whatever the right. case may be, right? right? Whereas what he's seeing now are these much more connected, much more invasive technologies um, that have a good word that have that have a considerable 
significance to them, right? I mean, not to say that a hammer is not significant, but um, you know what what we're seeing with the hydroelectric plants and coal mining and and you know um, the, the ability to blow stuff up uh, is significant. So you want to talk about um, you know what he what he means by inframing and what exactly the standing reserve is and why these are problems, not just for Heidegger, but maybe, well, let's, well, let's, let's try and keep our focus, maybe what, what, what they are and why they are problems for Heidegger. Okay, uh, do you, there is a passage that uh, I think the best way to illustrate that is that, and here I think he's actually fairly lucid, Michael, we could read this or I could read this. It's the passage where he talks about the differences between uh, what agriculture does. Mm -hmm what was agriculture and what is now the mechanized food industry, you know, the passage on um, that begins in contrast, attractive land. Do you want me to read that? Yeah, sure. sure. I, think that, I think that kind of answers the question. Um, before I do that though, I, I just want to say, I'm, I'm reading in my edition. I think we're reading a translation. We're reading from a translation um, that's include, of the essay that's included in Heidegger's basic writings. I think Michael has the same text. Um, and getting to the passage that begins, in contrast, attractive land, which I'm going to read from in a moment, I just noticed that in turning the pages, I see several passages uh, that relate to what we were just talking about in terms of the peculiar or characteristic nature of modern technology, the curious connection between modern technology and revelation. So just a couple passages read aloud before I get to the passage in question. But where have we strayed to? We are questioning concerning technology, and we have arrived now at aletheia, a revealing that for Heidegger, revealing is aletheia, is the nature of uh, truth. It gets to, that's how truth reveals itself. The revelation is always the revelation of a particular embedded truth. What has the essence of technology to do with revealing? The answer, everything. Uh, and another on the, on the next page, technology is a mode of revealing. Technology comes to presence in the realm where revealing and unconcealment take place, where truth happens. So he's setting us up for this, saying that technology isn't just a thing, isn't just a means and an end. It's connected to revelation and or it's connected to aletheia. And that's important. Uh, the notion of aletheia is key to Heidegger's system because the revelation is how we access, how humans access, aletheia is how humans access truth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's revealed by modern technology? Now that's getting to the, Michael's question and try to answer the question uh, that Michael posed about in framing. Okay, so here's the example. Help me with this, Michael. All right, in so contrast, attractive land is challenged in the hauling out of coal and ore. The earth in this process where attractive land is challenged because it's being mined for coal and ore, the earth now reveals itself as a coal mining district, the soul as a mineral deposit. Soil. The soul. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, I'm thinking metaphysics. That's apt, though, soil. to be honest with you. It, it works I, so I know. I, I think that's what, uh, yeah, anyway. The soil as a mineral deposit. The field that the peasant formerly cultivated, that's an example of the old technology, the old relation between right, the human right. That's the plow. The field, the plow, thank you. The field that the peasant formerly cultivated through the plow, plow which was an old technology that wasn't reticulated, right? And set in order appears different from how it did when to set in order still meant to take care and maintain a field, attractive land. The work of the peasant does not challenge the soil of the field. Again, going a little bit further. Now, modern technology sets upon the field in the sense of challenging it transforming it uh what was your word in framing it right heidegger's word in framing it within framing modern technology brings an in framing and it has this effects now i'm going to continue and conclude this reading agriculture becomes is now the mechanized food industry air gets a new in framing 
it's now set upon to yield nitrogen. The earth becomes a standing reserve. I'm using his other terms. Right, right. And, and, and uh, use, bringing them to bear in this passage. The earth becomes a standing reserve. It becomes something that is meant for human use to yield ore or to yield uranium. Here we're getting to the whole system right, that right, Michael right, right, was right. talking about earlier. And uranium is set upon to yield atomic energy to our friend, the atom bomb, which can be released either for destruction or for peaceful use. Now, what the hell is the peaceful use? Is he thinking about atom power, atomic power as a, as a fuel resource? Well, I think is he that I, cool? I, is that what well, he's saying? I, I, I th- sure. Um, I, I think it's more... <laughs> Heidegger, the astrophysicist, is that? I I think it's, but I think it's important to note again that he's saying, look, it can be positive or negative. But I think that what's, you know, we could, we can use this for good if we want. But what I think is interesting, what this passage really does, is it makes clear how the application of modern technology changes our relationship to nature, right? Rather than existing in nature what happens here is we now are able to dominate nature, right? We are able to take the nature out of nature and turn it in to something that we can store, something that we can use for other purposes, something that we can essentially subjugate, right? And this is a massive, massive concern for him. And it's interesting because what we see is that as these technologies become more efficient, as they become better, we are able to do more of the subjugating. And what happens is as we get, I mean, think about the poor farmer who's out there cutting the grass by hand, right? And he's realizing, okay, this is this just sucks, man. It's hot. I got blisters. It's a big field. And then he realizes he can attach blades to the plow and he can have some horses pull it for him. And that's great. Now he doesn't have to do this. This is better. He can create more of this. And then the engine comes along and he realizes, well, now I can not only plow my field, I can plow the entire damn forest if I need to. I've got, right? So what happens is that the application of these technologies and this will to dominate is compounded by the will to further dominate. And that's the problem. It's not enough to just, what did he say here? Um, It's not enough for the peasant just to challenge the field. He's going to, you know, uh, we're going to turn this into a strip for ore, and then the ore is going to become uranium. And now we've got bombs. Um, And it sounds on one hand, like a whole bunch of catastrophizing, right? Like, oh my God, (laughs) if we do this thing, but he's not, but he's not wrong. Well, you're right. But, but, but this is why we're liking Heidegger right now, right? Because you're right. I mean, read in a certain, inflected in a certain way. What I just read you was like, you know, the gradual unfolding of a nightmare. But that's not what he means. He's just, I don't think that's- No, I don't, well, I, and I think he's, that's why it's important to note yeah, that he says, look, yeah. this can be unleashed for destructive or peaceful you purposes. It. You got it, but you got it, what, you got it. That's what very happens important. here, but here's the thing. Once we move- on from the hammer, right? Once we move from these older technologies into modern technologies, there is no going back, right? And, and, and this gets us back to Stiegler and, you know, what, what, what is old is, is done away with. What can't be monetized is, is cast aside unless it can be sort of reincorporated differently. And, And we see that, but this is a, I mean, this is a giant, boulder rolling down a hill right and his concern i i think he's he's pragmatic enough to to say okay there's a boulder rolling there's a boulder rolling down the hill the question is not can we not have the boulder roll down what can we push the boulder back right like this is this is this is this is not (laughs) can we get back to a world where the boulder was not rolling down the hill right the the (laughs) the question is more about well what do we do with this boulder that's rolling down the right road. because exactly, exactly. it could it, it could smash you know it could smash something in a bad way or it could smash something or create good i i, I don't 
<laughs> the ball run. Good. I got your point. I got your point. Well, what you're what you're pointing out one one last sentence from this passage because it it really pertains to what you're just saying because what you're emphasizing is um, Heidegger's own attempt to underscore the I guess the decisive nature of this moment of our moment uh, the decisive nature of this change and then also like. That this change is not only epical, but what, what does change what does this change entail? Uh, this change means that we think about heretofore, henceforth, rather, we think of nature differently. So I wanted to read this one sentence that directly, also from that long paragraph I was reading from. Uh, 296, 297, uh, going on to 297, uh, if you have the basic writings edition of Martin Heidegger. This one sentence is exactly uh, directly relevant to what you were saying, Michael. The coal that has been hauled out in some mining district has not been produced in order that it may simply be hand, at hand somewhere or another. It is being stored. That is, it is on call, ready to deliver the sun's warmth that is stored in it. The sun's warp is challenged for heat. Now, this is another passage that talks about the systematicity of new technology and the fact that it's a directly system. But it also suggests that coal- but Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, hold on one yeah, second. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you got to finish that. The sun's warmth is challenged for heat, which in turn is ordered to deliver the steam whose right. pressure turns the wheels to keep the factory running. The difference is here. Yeah. If you have, and this, I, I, I think this is where you're going. But if we jump back to old technology, if you have a hammer, yeah, you're going go to you're, you're go looking for nails. That's it. Okay. And for better or for worse, there's a limited number of nails. But if you've got coal, you don't need to go looking for nails. You, you go for fire. But the applications are so broad. Absolutely. So the, That's different. The, That's the a different, distinguishing character. Yeah, the difference is the hammer may condition us to dominate the nail. Right. But it is an isolated thing. It has a singular purpose. Mm -hmm. The purposes of these connected modern technologies are boundless. Yeah, that's so right. So this domination that I mean, I, I guess if you're a nail and someone's got a hammer, that's a problem. But there's a limited number of nails. Right. If, if you have coal, your ability to affect and to dominate is significantly greater. And, and this is Heidegger's, I think maybe this is a good place. I'll let you finish that, but I think this is a good place to jump jump to the end. Yeah, yeah, say, I, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, that's it. I just, I just think that we see the will to dominate with modern technology is scaled in terrifying ways. Right, that, that's wonderfully put. And, and that was the, I, I just was pointing out that passage to be yet another illustration. It was yet another illustration. This is a really masterful, I mean, this is the passage where I think it's pretty lucid too, um, where I, I, I think he, Heidegger does this wonderful job of making you understand that there's a kind of system involved, an interconnected system uh, that is now involved in modern technology. That let me say, other things are being revealed. That's one of the big things that's let, being let me revealed. Let me say one other thing though, that I think maybe will get us to the end here. As it's being, it's being revealed, but that revealing is unavailable to us. We don't know where it goes, right? And I think this is the concern temporarily with technology. This is just, you know, the, the just because you can, should you? You think about the, the implications of AI, right? It's great, but I saw Terminator. You know what? You know what? Along those lines, I should say, you know, we've been saying revealing, revealing, revealing. But a lot of this, and this is one of the reasons I admire the passage, he's bringing it, he's bringing this system to light. He's shedding some light on the system. But you're very correct. A lot of times we refuse to think about this. We don't want to think about this. And we, we, this system is just a mystery to us. We use the tools. We think of technology. In fact, this getting back to the original definition and how Heidegger wants us to revise it. If you only think about technology as, if you constantly think about technology as a means to an end, then you probably are lacking this clarity 
about the systems and the effects and what technology reveals. That's could, the danger. It is. But could we ever realistically have clarity on what it will reveal? Because that no, is no, always... no, no, no. Well, well, that's we're going to talk about that process in a moment. But if I may, I want to sort of finish my thought on this. Please, because I sorry. had another. I, I oh no, no, no. Because the main thing I wanted to do in pointing out that passage was, you know, I wanted to further illustrate what you, the point you were making, which is, you know, we're talking about systematicity and you know how the system gets revealed uh, in this. The new developments in the new developments of modern technology, but the, there was another thing, and maybe you'll disagree with this. We'll have a we'll have this. I hope that I really want this to be a short digression, but I'm going to offer this last thought on this passage in the form of a question. I think the other thing that's going on in this passage. So the coal, the coal that has been hauled out, et cetera, et cetera, and he talks about you know, the new meaning of the coal or the new function of coal in this greater system. Michael, don't, and, and we, we've been talking about the ways in which Heidegger is conscious of the ways in which technology, especially modern technology, only really modern technology reveals certain aspects of human activity to us. Now, I read in this passage that in a way, coal itself becomes, I mean, this is where I am sensing and see if you agree with me. I'm sensing a little bit of Heidegger's uh, archaic, maybe archaic environmental consciousness here. That he's also saying, because of this process, we no longer think of, wow, coal, that's awesome. Coal is amazing. How is it? It's amazing that we have coal in the ground. We are thinking of it only in instrumental ways. Am I, do you think I'm right in thinking that there's a kind of environmental consciousness in this? That because of the process, we tend to think of we tend to think of nature itself and the component parts of nature as something only there to be used as part of the system. Do you think that's there? I think that what he's saying is that these technologies condition us to view nature as a resource. Period. Period. Right. And uh, I don't think that the environmental concern is a part of the technological and framing. Okay. I, I think that technology turns everything into a currency and the implications of being monetized, of being a currency are completely anathema to the concerns of technology, right? So your technologies don't care about the impact or the effect of anything. They are purely utilitarian. This is, that's not the right word. They're, 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 oh, I think it is the right word. They're, Means they're, to an end. Yeah, that's right? okay, fine, fine. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's all this is about, right? It's, that's it's not, not good. He doesn't think that's good, does he? Well, let me ask you a question. How much, yes, do, you, how much, do, you, how much do you value efficiency? See, this is, uh, this, I, this is, this I think is, that's a key question. I think that's a key question, but I think, I do not think there's anything in this essay that suggests that Heidegger feels, well, let's put it this way, his key words, revealing, uncovering, those suggest that he has another agenda besides efficiency. Well, oh, sure, he, but he can have all the agenda he wants about this. I think that he would say that the the purpose of technologies are a means to an end. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And yeah. and so, what is the end? If if the end is is coal in the bucket, well, it's awesome. You got it done. We did it. The the the, the and and I think this is where we have to be careful. And this is why he says, look, the concern, you know, this will to master technology. Um, is real. They, they condition us to want more, but the problem is it could slip from your control, right? There are consequences to what you're doing mm -hmm. that are outside of the, uh, the, 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 that are, that are not immediately visible, that are not immediately revealed, uh, with the application of technology. Yes, there could be bad 
things that happen as a result of this. Yes, strip mining might not be the most environmentally <laughs> friendly way to do things, but right. you wanted coal. You wanted so you lumber. So you got it. And well, and that's uh-huh. it. Like, see, I don't I don't see because you know, as, as I'm reading Heidegger, the, the, the environmental concerns are out, are, 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 are a totally separate thing from the technological, from, from, from technology, when we view technology as a means to an end, when we view technology as a human endeavor, and, you know, you could argue, well, it's both and sure, but if it is first and foremost, a means to an end, then screw it. I got, I got what I wanted. I got but, my end. But my call, if we look at ahead. it as a human activity, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I think that it's the secondary concern, and I don't mean secondary is in less important, just second, because we have to enumerate them one way or another. Mm-hmm. The, the second concern about the human activity, that is where Heidegger's warning or concern at the end becomes very relevant. Yes, we can do things with technology. That is beyond dispute. And mm-hmm. as technology evolves, we can do more. And as technology is continually modernized or, you know, integrated, we can Mm -hmm. do even more. But as we continue with the means, we need to be much more concerned or wary with the human. How are we using this? What are the implications of the human element in the application of technologies? And he says this, he says, when we sit back and we gaze in wonder at the you know, at the efficient or the 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 efficiency or the ability of these technologies, we lose sight of the fact that they are doing other things. This is where we have to engage the human element of this. We cannot just sit back and mar. I think it's, he says we get to, we marvel. Um, in fact, let me let me find that because this is maybe one of the best. No, that's not the word he used. Um, one of the best transitions ever. Um, this is the concern. Right, that if we just look at the means to an end, this will slip from our control. Was that where we wanted to go? Here it is. Found it. Everything then depends on this. That we pawn. So I'm, I'm, this is my jump now into his conclusion. So I'm looking. This is towards the end of his essay. Are we ready to do this? Yes, we are. He says everything then depends on this. That we ponder this arising. And that we, recollecting, watch over it. So he's saying, yes, the boulder is coming down the hill. We must be mindful of this boulder coming down the hill. Not going to stop it, but we have to be mindful of it. How can this happen? Above all, through our catching sight of what comes to presence in technology instead of merely gaping, gaping. at the technological Right. And saying it's if, a marvel. If we just, oh my God. So, like, you know, let's look at something that may, that, that probably is good. Like, oh my God, we put a man on the moon, right? We can gape at that and say, this is amazing. And that's wonderful. But we have to do more than that. Because if we stop there, then someone's going to put a giant cannon on the moon. And that's a problem, right? So we have to think about what these things mean because the you know again every technological advance conditions man to see his environment as a potential storehouse for other things and so we have to be wary of that so then he finishes uh so long as we represent technology as an instrument we remain transfixed in the will to master it we press on past the essence of technology we have to be wary of this because if we just gape at what we can do then we will continue to do without a concern for the implications of what we are doing okay so um i want to i think wrap us up here barry if we if we just finish this section i I think for our Mm -hmm. purposes we can be good so um we press on past the essence of technology he finishes and says when however we ask how the instrumental comes to presence as a kind of causality, then we experience this coming to presence as the destining of a revealing. Mm-hmm. So the way I see that, and again, I apologize, dear listener, if trying to just follow this without the text is difficult. I'm trying to go slowly here. What he's saying here 
is that, so when, however, we ask how the instrumental comes to presence as a kind of causality, then we experience this coming to presence as a destining of revealing. What he seems to be saying there is essentially, look, we cannot just sit and gawk at what our technologies do. We have to ask what comes of this, right? right? When we ask how the instrumental comes to presence, what is this as a kind of causality? What, what is this? What have we done? Right. Then it. we experience the coming to presence as a destiny of reeling. Then we have the opportunity to see what has been revealed. Right. So we have, there is implicit in this sort of incredibly complicated technological matrix of things. There is a, there is the ability to stop and say, what has happened? What does this mean? And that is the revealing. So if you're familiar with Heidegger and you're familiar with the idea of the clearing and the revealing, right? What we're seeing here really interestingly is that this requires a sort of slowness, a sort of reflection that revealing is not going to happen if you do not give that a chance to happen. And this is the problem, so I'm gonna jump back. This is the problem with the automatic society is that things move so quickly, technologies move so quickly that they resist this sort of reflection. And if we resist this sort of reflection, we do not learn, we do not see what we are doing, and then it becomes too late. So uh, he says, when we consider finally that the coming to presence of the S, oh, good God, okay. When we <laughs> consider finally that the coming to presence of the essence of technology comes to pass in the granting that needs and uses man so that he may share in revealing, then the following becomes clear. So let me try this in words that make sense together. When we consider that stopping and looking at what technology has created, then what we see is that uh, in the granting that needs and uses man. So this, this requires man so that he may share in revealing. When we stop and we reflect, the following becomes clear. The essence of technology is in a lofty sense ambiguous. Is technology, is this given technology good or bad? Is it, we don't know, right? Such ambiguity points to the mystery of all revealing of truth. In other words, if you want to take part in the revealing, if you want to understand the essence, is something good, is something bad, then you must be reflective upon it. You cannot just say, well, we blew that up. That's good. Right. You, and you can't we, know. We accomplished it. our goal. Right. You have to look past, goal. you have to look past the ends. Right. So That's I right. think, I think that is Heidegger's takeaway. So if, are, are we good with that? We're good with that. Can I add one or two things? Uh, it, depends or no. what you want. it depends what you want to add. <laughs> well, you can be, you can be the- um, no, By all means, by all you means. You can circumscribe <laughs> my, my additional reflections. I but I mean, I think, I, I'm, I think my additional comments are just, you know, Phillips and commentaries on your commentary. So well, I, let's, I, let's I, do it, in let's the do spirit it. of it. So I, I just wanted to say thanks. So, one thing I would notice, just to sort of connect Heidegger a little bit more directly to Stiegler, the notion that the essence of technology is in a lofty sense ambiguous, that it is neither good, nor wholly good or wholly bad, that its essence is ambiguous, it recalls what Stiegler says about all technologies and all of our tools, that they are, this is why he uses, follows Derrida, Heidegger student, another, you know, another careful student of Heidegger. And I, I, I see the presence of the pharmacon here. And this is why I see, I think Stiegler talks about technologies as a pharmacon uh, for the same, you know, it, it's a reflection of the same insight that the essence of technology is in the, its highest sense ambiguous. I so. like that. I like that. I think that's so, a really, really savvy application. It's a pharmacon. It it's is. pharmacon. And 
But does that also, mean no? But this is this is also a pharmacon, not in uh, the Stieglerian sense, but more in 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 terms of how Derrida uses it, because Stiegler argues that the pharmacon must necessarily be both good and bad. Right. Whereas I think that Derrida argues that the pharmacon can be good or bad. The and versus the or. And mm. I think that mm. what yeah, that's looking, good. That's what, a good what, distinction. Well, Heidegger, and I don't. I think I, th I think that Heidegger sort of sits nicely in the middle. It could be both. It could be either. But well, my I think, re my reading of the sense in its in the highest sense of the word, in the lofty sense of the word, technology is ambiguous. It seems like he wants to say he's being closer to Derrida. It seems I seems like he's being I, closer I, to Derrida. I, I agree. I agree. I think that. Um, Yes, I agree. Okay. Uh, and that's also why at the very end of the essay, I thought we should probably gesture to this. There, are the, uh, This is the po point where I think very much along these lines, this is where Heidegger points to the, uh, the German poet Friedrich Kölderlin and quotes, where danger is, grows, the danger is, grows, the saving power also. Now that I think sets us up for our final conclusion because not only is that sort of referring to the pharmacon, yeah. um, that where technology is, there's great danger, but also great saving power. That I think feeds back uh, to your concluding summation statement, a summary statement of what Heidegger is saying about technology. That yeah, this, this, technology this is us. not a horrible, it's not just the atom bomb and it's horrible dangers, nor is it, an unmitigated good. It is, we have to adopt a position. Here's where he's a philosopher, right? He says, we need to adopt a position of reflection and questioning so that we are always asking and trying to answer and ask, answer and ask, very Derridian in this sense, that the process of asking and answering is always, it's mobile, it's dynamic. Heidegger says this reflective stance is what we have to respond to technology because what technology is going to reveal to us, as you were mentioning, the danger and the saving power. But only if we attend to it, as you were saying, only if we attend to it. Yeah. Barry, I think we did it. I think I'm going to set the Heidegger down on the table. I'm going to step back quietly. I'm going to thank everybody for bearing with us and listening. Um, that's it. I don't, I don't, I mean, there's certainly so much more that could be done with this, but I think in terms of just saying, Hey, you know, our, our North star question, what's Heidegger's relationship to technology? Why, what does this mean? Um, I think that's it. And so I think I'm going to say thanks to you for helping tease it out. And thanks to everybody listening for sticking with us. Uh, have a great day. Take care, Barry. I'm done. Hey. I'm out. I'll talk to you later. Take care, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Critical Media Studies podcast. To find out more about the show, check out our webpage at criticalmediastudiespodcast.com.